Hello, I am Riley Wilson, and welcome to the Band of One podcast. This podcast is created to help anyone that wants to be a more successful solo performer or become a solo performer and avoid a lot of the pratfalls and mistakes myself and some of my contemporaries have made. I have over 50 years of live performance experience. We'll also include tips from other top pros worldwide who've done the same thing in their regions. My desire is to make this actionable as well as entertaining. If you like what we do, subscribe and don't forget to share it. Let's get busy. What is a protocol? A code of correct conduct, according to one dictionary. I would add often unwritten or unspoken, but critical nevertheless. We are taught protocol as children, like eat with your mouth closed, raise your hand before speaking in class, etc. But what about protocol as a solo performer? How you conduct your business as a solo performer has everything to do with your success, or the lack thereof. There are dozens of protocols that are critical before you ever meet a client to play a gig. Let's begin with your speech. According to Earl Nightingale, the famous success author and narrator, quote, our use of our language is the one thing we can't hide, close quote. Once you open your mouth or communicate via email or text, you divulge your level of education and thus begins prejudgment. Yes, you begin to be judged by a potential client with your first verbal or written communication. They immediately make a snap judgment about whether to hire you or not. You don't even need to meet in person. I stumbled upon The Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz earlier this year, and it's made a big impact on me. The first agreement, be impeccable with your word, speaks volumes about how we should conduct ourselves as professional entrepreneurs. Consequently, I don't use vulgarity when speaking with people under any circumstances. My job is to make it easier for folks to hire me and enjoy working with me. I feel that being a professional entertainer requires you to wear a salesman's hat much of the time. A poor salesman's attitude is often, make the sale and get out as quick as possible. However, a professional salesperson treats every client as though he will do business with them for the rest of his working life. They want to nurture every relationship possible. Education and degrees are two completely different things. You can have a master's or PhD and still be lacking within your interpersonal relationships. An ongoing education is critical for a salesperson to be at the top of their game, and it's incredibly important for solo performers, too. Reading is critical and simply cannot be overestimated if you want to be successful with other people. I suggest reading not only sales literature, but other books that should help you increase your personal worth. We discussed some appropriate books in an earlier podcast. I'm enjoying reading the book Outliers, The Story of Success by Martin Gladwell at the moment. A basic education about politics and current events are also helpful in social intercourse with others. An ongoing education permits anyone to interact with others in an intelligent manner. This can be done better with physical reading of books than listening or watching a video about them. Our minds have time to process information when we can regularly pause and think about what we're learning. I hope you use the pause button while listening to the Bandwood podcast, as well as other podcasts you enjoy. This way, you can stop and ponder important points along the way. For example, were you raised in a lower class, middle class, or upper class background? How does your adult life compare to the way you were raised? 
As a solo performer, you have no buffer or middleman between you and your buyer. They may come from any one of those backgrounds, and you need to treat people with respect so that they, in turn, treat you with respect. A bar or a restaurant owner may behave a little bit coarser than a corporate or private party client. However, you need to keep calm and behave with dignity no matter the surroundings or people you're working with. This takes a strong belief in yourself and a willingness to be a principled entrepreneur, regardless of the environment at the moment. Self-control goes hand-in-hand with protocol as an entrepreneur. Lots of little things factor in. If you're doing a corporate or private event, make sure that you communicate via email, phone, or text with the client so you know exactly what they require and they know what they can expect from you. I encourage potential buyers to watch my videos online to get an idea of what they can expect once they do hire me. Often, I don't meet the client or their representative until the event itself, so I need to be prepared and prepare them for what I need. Most of my current jobs are booked online through The Bash or Gig Salad, and once the client has hired me for the event, I send them the following email. Quote, Thanks for calling or emailing me. I look forward to performing for you all. I have attached a copy of the contract to this email. Please sign, date, and mail it with a check made payable to WRW Productions, Inc. to the address below. This guarantees my performance and secures the date for you. The balance can either be paid in advance or at the performance itself. Cash, checks, the Cash App or Venmo are fine. I am unable to accept credit cards. If you want to have the performance extended, overtime will be at X dollars per hour rate. I require an area about 4 feet by 6 feet with working 110-volt, 3-pin grounded AC within 10 to 15 feet of the performance area. I will arrive about 40 minutes prior to the performance and will change clothes before I begin. I will perform for an hour, take a short break, and resume performing for the duration of the event. I will play break tunes while I am not performing. I don't drink alcohol, but if it's possible to eat dinner on a break, that would be great. Let me know if you have any questions. I'll see you on the date itself. Close quote. This tells the client what I need to perform the show, how long the first set will be, addresses the food and alcohol questions, and lets them know when to expect me. Sometimes, my shows happen far from home, so I need to be prepared as does the client for what will transpire. I will often follow up and ask if my wife might be welcome if it's an appropriate event to do so. If so, she'll arrive with me and helps with load-in and load-out. She's even helped clients set up for a last-minute party with food and decorations. If the client agrees, we enjoy going to these events together. Those of you who play a local club or piano gig at a restaurant may not need to do all of this. For me, working AC power and the size of my stage plot is important in order to do my show. If you have a recurring bar club, retirement facility, or restaurant gig, the client and you will know what to expect for future engagements. It's important to leave in plenty of time to get there to be able to perform at the agreed-upon starting time. I think it's a good idea to have an extra 15 to 30-minute window, so it's always better to be early than late. If you live in a large metropolitan area like I do here in the DFW Metroplex, you might need 45 minutes to an hour if you're having to cross through one of those two major cities in rush hour traffic for a 5 to 7 p.m. downbeat. Once I arrive, 
I will introduce myself and discover where I am to set up and how I can unload my gear and where to park. Parking is often important as I might be at a corporate function out of a major downtown hotel one night and then the next night a private surprise party for a spouse, etc. If I am doing a corporate event, I'll ask if they can provide a parking voucher. If not, I simply get the receipt and deduct it from taxes at the end of the year. Once I am parked and have the gear where it needs to be, I set up quickly and verify my gear is working properly. Be sure to tune your instrument silently if possible and avoid making unnecessary noises like mic feedback before and during the show. Smoke test your gear before the performance, not during it. I don't do a formal sound check since I want the first song to be the first time a client actually physically hears me perform. I can test my vocal mic, check the guitar sound through my system, and play a snippet of my first track to ensure that everything is playing back through the system okay. Once the audio system is ready, I will usually put on a break recording, a smooth jazz mix compilation I have for such occasions. I will get dressed and get something to drink before the show. I prefer club soda or just plain water since if it falls and spills on something, it won't leave any nasty residue behind to clean up. I was playing with the horn band in the mid-1970s in North Carolina when somebody spilled a drink that had coke and alcohol inside the mixer of our PA system. Well, the PA had conked and they had to use my amp head while I played into the keyboard player's second channel of a guitar amp. It was not our best moment. Be sensitive to volume requests, especially at private parties, nursing homes, and restaurants. Speak slower and clearer than you might normally do especially in a large or acoustically harsh environment. Be kind to the audience and avoid getting into a heckling match unless you perform at a venue that encourages it. Believe it or not, there's a club in downtown Dallas that encourages employees to actually berate their guests. As they say, it takes all kinds. Each type of show is different and you need to be flexible in order to do your best. I have a friend who said, Blessed are the flexible, for they will not be frustrated. Be quick to smile and slow to react. I make it a point to ask the client if they want me to make any announcements, sing happy birthday or another special song and the like. Do your best to remember names and faces, especially if it's a large corporate event. Once the first set is over, I will put on another break mix, usually country, rock, or pop tunes, depending upon the type of event and crowd. I then seek out the client and ask if everything is okay. Once that's verified, I might go grab something else to drink or a bite to eat if that's possible. Again, a lot of this depends upon the time of the show. Because I am a guest at the event, I'll often try and find a place that's out of sight of the vast majority of the attendees to eat and relax. I don't attempt to do too much conversing on a break, either with my wife if she's attending, the host, or guests. I'm being paid to play the guitar and sing, I want to save all my energy to do my very best with that. If the gig is going well, a client may want me to play an additional 30 minutes or an hour, etc. If my wife is there, I'll simply ask her to tell them if they'd like me to play extra innings or wrap up at the appointed time. If it's just me, I'll have the conversation with them before my final set begins, and I'll let them know they don't have to decide until a few minutes before I wrap up. Once I have done so, I'll put down and wipe off my guitar and go settle with the client immediately. Sometimes the client has prepaid the event so it's not necessary to collect additional payment. Once I collect the final amount, 
I will thank the client for hiring me, and if they book me online, request positive feedback once the event has transpired. I will then knock down the gear, change clothes, and pack up. One thing I learned over 50 years ago is what that band used to call an idiot check. Go back and look at all the places that you might have left equipment, clothing, etc., and make sure that you only leave footprints behind. Sadly, I forgot to do this on a recent gig and had to drive back into Dallas to meet a client to collect a microphone and tip jar I left at the performance. Once I get home, I will unpack the car, and if there's time, I'll offload the gig's recording. I might listen to a few tunes and then listen another day with fresh ears to the rest of the recording. The last thing I'll do is send a thank you card. I do this either physically, by mailing a card, or with an online card from Greetings Island. This is another touch with the client which can often lead to repeat bookings. These are many of the things that have helped me achieve the success I enjoy with my solo act. While your shows will look different depending upon your act and your venues, you can adapt many of these suggestions I've shared to allow you to get the same kind of success you'd like to have as well. Being conscientious seems to have gone out of style in 2023. However, by doing so, you can build the kind of business that you'll be proud of for many years to come. I'll close with one little story that reminded me you were never too big to be grateful. In 1985, I'm working for a company called Silver Eagle Designs in Van Nuys, California. We supplied guitar straps and accessories to clients across the globe. Larry Knight, the company president, got a request from a duo in Nashville that wanted us to make a clear guitar strap with a wireless transformer pouch. Larry, who played bass with the band Spirit for many years and was a rock and roller, was totally unfamiliar with Naomi and Winona Judd. I saw them open for Ricky Skaggs the previous year at a gig in Orange County and immediately said, Larry, these girls are going to be huge. Make the straps, please. He did so, and I got a Christmas card at the end of 1986 thanking me for the guitar straps and wishing me a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. That was a classy thing to do, and I've never forgotten that. We appreciated their thoughtfulness. Okay, that's the end of this one. Actionable item, be aware of your words. Think before you speak. And I guarantee it'll work out great for you. You've been listening to the Band of One podcast. I'm Riley Wilson, and thanks for joining us. If you have ideas for upcoming episodes, I'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with me directly at your convenience, either through the Band of One podcast page on Facebook or simply at my webpage, guitarmadesimpler.com. See you next time.